This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. For today's GRL bonus episode, I'm happy to welcome back TJ Clune to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You've just unleashed a whole bunch of awesome <laughs> to people who are downstairs. Um, we got to hear uh, Kurt Graves do Raven Song, yep. a little Raven Song for the first time. Correct. Uh, a little bit of um, Heart, Song, Heart Song for which the first is time. The next book that comes out next September in the Green Creek series. Which, as you said, is the first time anybody has heard that yeah, really that, outside the Clunatic group. R- right. Well, not even not even the Clunatic group uh, has gotten to hear that yet. This there's this book is actually kept under wraps. By by my request, so only a couple of people have actually read it in in Dream Spinner too. So it's it's actually very very hush hush and secretive. So that was yeah the first time anybody has actually heard anything about Heart Song. So it was a little nerve wracking because I'm 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 uh, very protective of this book and and not just for the content of it but because of the characters in it too. So. Before we get to the real the, the reason for this, why so protective of those characters? Because I've put them through so much shit <laughs> in Wolf Song and, and in Raven Song and then Love Song, the short story follow up. It's, I, I mean, I've I've heard this 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 family repeatedly over and over again, and it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get uh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get a little harder. Um, so we'll have to hope that <laughs> there's a happy ending at the very, very end, which I, I promise there will be. But. There will be. I have every faith. Yeah. Now, what we're really here to talk about is the nice thing you're holding in your hand, which is The Bones Beneath My Skin. Yes. Coming out October 26th. Yep, so next Friday. Next Friday. Um, I've read the book. I've mentioned on the podcast once already that it's awesome. Go pre-order it. <laughs> uh, and I'll be reviewing it the week of the 29th, but... Tell people in your non-spoilerly way that you have what this book's about. This book was me wanting to uh, write... Uh, it started out as something completely different. It started out as me wanting to emulate some of my favorite stories that I read uh, as a kid in, in the 80s. Movies, Goonies, and you have Firestarter, you have It, um, and Stand By Me, which is one of my mm. absolute favorite movies. I wanted to write about uh, a group of kids that came together to face something extraordinary. And then, as right as I was writing with this idea in the, in the summer of 2016, Stranger Things came out on Netflix. And it was already what I had planned, and they did it better. So I kind of shoved it to the side. And I, I kept wanting to come back to it, though, because the, the girl who was going to be the focal point, one of the three main characters of the book, she kept talking. She kept saying, you know, this is what I want the story to be about. And I, I, I tend to listen to when I hear these kinds of characters. So mm-hmm. um, I went back to it because I knew I had a good story there. I knew I had the bones of a good story. So I went and, and studied a decade later. It was supposed to be originally set in the 80s, but then I moved it to the 90s. And if you think about it, if you, if you look back on how the 80s were, we think back on the 80s with, with this weird nostalgia that I don't know that it necessarily deserves. Yeah. But then when you think about the 90s, the 90s were fucking weird for everybody. The 90s were just, they were just, it's a, it was a crazy time. Like, I don't know that people look back on the 90s with any kind of real fondness because it was just such a strange time for, 
for everyone. And so I, I figured out that that's where I wanted to set the book because I started researching events that occurred in the 90s. And it once I started formulating the story more, getting away from my original idea, started formulating more, I decided I wanted to write a 90s action movie. So that's what I went and did. And there, those action sequences at times made me so freaking tense. <laughs> and those were a, a bitch to write, too. I mean, I, I can write funny, I can write dialogue, I can write rip-your-heart-out angst, but action is hard to write. It is actually, you know, a lot more difficult than I expected it to be. Um, I've, I've written big action set pieces before, but this book is is basically, once it gets going, one continual action scene mm -hmm. after another, and it doesn't really let up until the very big explosive climax and it's it's um it's meant to be that way this book is I, I often think of this book when i think about it i think of it as my weird 90s action movie queer romance book but i also think of it as a theme park ride because it's essentially you know you you get on you get start reading this book and it's just a, a roller coaster you can see it as one of those uh those those motion things through the three yeah, screens right, kind right, of right. thing yeah, right exactly exactly uh, and you talk about the action you've you ha you've written action, obviously. Mm -hmm. The Varenia books have action, yep. and the Green Creek books yep. have action. This is very different action. It, it is. It is because it's it's. I, I went to it. I actually studied. Um, it's it's kind of funny thinking, even though it's not necessarily a, a '90s action movie itself, because it just came out recently. But the John Wick movies with Keanu Reeves, mm -hmm. those are hardcore action movies, and I I watched those over and over and over again, because I, I I wanted to get the same kind of feel that those movies have. Those are those movies are very kinetic. Those movies, the plot is very small and minimal, and it goes from. Um, basically one action set piece to another and I kind of wanted to go that direction while still including an overarching plot of redemption of family of faith and believing in in the impossible but um, yeah this the John Wicks were those movies were a very big uh, 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 I, I took a big look at those in, in how I wanted to actually write the action scenes and um, so a lot of credit can go to that too I would have never thought of Keanu Reeves movie, but right, I know, right. No, I mean it has nothing to do with with anything sure. like that at all. But just the 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 way that the action moves, it's just I find it enthralling. It's just absolutely kinetic, and that's what I wanted for this book. I wanted this book to to once you finish one scene, right before the next one picks up, I want you to have to like set the book down for a second, take a deep breath, yeah, unclench your toes, and then move on to the next. So. And then, but even with that, it's like, oh, but what's gonna happen now? Yeah, right, right. There's yeah, those moments too. It's like, oh, don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, th th those are my favorite kinds of books, though. So, and you, you, you read, you know, books that that you just have to read the next page, no matter what time it is. Those are my favorite kind of books to read because mm. you know it's it shows the that the author has taken care with with their words, and that's what I did with this book. I knew, I knew right soon after I finished it that I was going to be self-publishing it. So I wanted to make sure that when I first decided to self-publish that it was going to be a story that could stand on its own. I didn't want to do a, a, a launch for a series. So when I decided to use this story as my first self-publish, I, I, I knew it was going to be kind of a weird fit because it is different than what people normally see for me. But I think that it still has the bones of a T.J. Klune book in it just mm -hmm. amped up to an 11. But 
to me at least, you reinvent yourself often. Green Creek is different than Virginia, is yeah. different than normal person, is different than yeah. Bear Otter and the Kids. So this just kind of is it connects to that uh, yeah, in the same it is. way. And it's it's basically because I I mean God God love the authors that can write in the same subgenre over and over and over and over again. I, I would just lose my mind. I would be so bored and it's um I think that would show in my writing too. If 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 I get bored, the reader is going to know I'm bored of the story, mm-hmm. and that's not going to do us any of us any good. So the reason I jump around so much is because I, I want to tell as many types of stories as I can, um, while still having it be a T.J. Clune book, whatever you know that may be to certain people. But um, yeah, I like I like being able to try different things because stuff like this it it it. Um, it allows me to stretch my writing capabilities to try something new. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. And I mean, we've all, authors know that when you write a story, you can tell when it's not working and it sucks, but you kind of either have to gut it or set it aside and come back to it. And, but this story, I, as soon as I actually sat down to write it, it took me five weeks to write 120 some odd thousand words, five weeks. And I, I was writing like, five, six, seven, eight-hour days, seven days a week. And it was, by the time I finished with it, I was I was super proud of the story that I was able to tell. What was the, the plotting process like? Because there's, there's a lot of detail here, but then also you as the author, and at least for this book, you have to know a lot of backstory, too, yeah, to, it, to make it all work. Right. And the outline for this book rivaled the outline for say the Verania series the, the right, over series four, yeah over four <laughs> books because this this the the bows beneath my skin has a lot of moving parts a lot of moving parts many things are happening and they, it, like you said though there's these little details that something may not make sense say on page four but will pay off on page 200 and I had a lot of of ideas some of them good some of them bad but my outline for this um, for the boats beneath my skin was I think twenty thousand words itself, and that that was an outline I wrote even before I started actually writing any part of the book, and um, the outline was was very scene specific, and while it had the overarching themes that I would want running through the book, it was still um, there are certain specific scenes that I I detailed because. Writing a good action scene is like writing a good sex scene. You have to know where certain body parts are. You yep. have to know where certain limbs are. You can't just all of a sudden be doing one thing when you were just doing something like two seconds ago. So I had to make sure that everything was immaculately plotted so I could pull it all together. Because if it doesn't pull together, then it all just falls apart. Mm-hmm. And the payoff won't be worth it. It'll just be like, I don't know what the hell happened. And I don't want people to have that. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to know, oh my God, this just happened. So... Do you get ideas like Bones and then you're like, can I write that? Yes, specifically Bones. I mean, bones. because because when I when I had to move away from the Stranger Things idea, I, I thought about, you know, moving it to the 90s and, and that the, the weird time it was for everybody. And, and plus you have to, you know, 2018 is not 1995 when the book was set. The, you know, it's the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It's a time of we're still dealing with the the AIDS crisis as it was, and it um, it is a very different time for me because 
I grew up knowing I was or queer, coming out queer in the 90s. And um, it wasn't a good time for me. So having to go back to that time was a little rough at first, but um, I knew that I wanted to tell this story um, and thankfully I found the voice to be able to do it. You know, it's not all just action, not all stuff blowing up. It's There's some really um, big themes in the book about, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that they'll see in a lot of my books about found family and doing what you can to protect those who can't protect themselves. And um, that's important to me uh, to, no matter what I'm writing, um, to show that these a group of people that may not be related by blood can come together and find each other and be together and fuck all the rest. So. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the name for your lead character, the little girl? Artemis Darth Vader? Yeah. Um, that... <laughs> I, everybody most likely who follows me for a long time knows that I will love Star Wars to the end of the earth. I, I love Star Wars, everything about it, even the horrid prequel trilogy. I, I, can, I can sit down and, and enjoy it. Um, and wow, we have to talk later about yeah. how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Star Wars is just one of my biggest touchstones and of, of my youth. And um, I've I knew going into it when I first started writing when I first started writing her name was always Artemis because of, of the deity um, and I wanted to her name her last name was something different entirely and then I started writing and I was like oh crap <laughs> wait a minute why what if her name was Darth Vader for reasons that will be explained obviously but um, it, it just came out of nowhere that that was going to be her name so um, with the out of nowhere, because you know we're not telling you what that yeah. is, podcast <laughs> folks. Would it have worked if her name wasn't Darth Vader in the from the original? Yeah, but I would have had to. I, it wouldn't have worked as well. Okay. I think. I think. I think that um, um, having it be as it is now, it. Uh, I, I like the story it became versus the story it was initially going to be. I think it's. I think it's a. Uh, better story than what I because I think that had I tried to go the whole emulation of, of my of my favorites from the 80s it would have been too much like cribbing from what was already there so I wanted to mine something different try to find new ground and um, I think that the story what it became is better than the story it ever would have been had I stuck with my original idea which is something that is surprising because you, you never really expect that as an author you think oh I have this great idea and it's going to be the best thing I can write. But looking back on it now in hindsight, I know that the book that Bones became is the best book it was going to be. I like that. Thank you. Boom. <laughs> Star Wars as a touchstone. Yeah. Is there a space fantasy story that lurks in the oh, TJ yeah. Blue oh, yeah. I have brain a, somewhere? I have a, an idea for a, a big space opera that I want to write. But that's going to be... Later, late years down the road. Yeah, I have. I have your little book in the near full. future. Yeah, my plate is full right now, and and but yes, I do have um, uh, uh, fan, a space opera fantasy thing that I want to do someday. That um, it's going to be, of course, a queer romance. So look for that in twenty thirty seven. I don't know. <laughs> Heard it here first. Twenty thirty seven. First self-publish, yes. Bones. Um, would you do it again? Yes. Oh man, like I, I was 
okay, let me put it this way first. I've had a great team of people backing me up, helping me do this, put this together through my editors, through the beta readers, through uh, everybody that has formatted and worked to put this together for me because I had no idea how to do any of this stuff. Um, But it has been so enlightening for me to see how it, it works like this because typically with the with the backing of a publisher they they're just you know they send me it when i need to work on it and but no with with the self-publishing you, you do the art you have to hire your own artists you have to hire the editors you have to hire um people putting the format together to you have to learn how to upload everything because i had no idea how to do any of that stuff so it um i when i finished writing um uh, a book last year I took two weeks off and spent my days learning everything there was to learn about mm-hmm. self-publishing and what I needed to do and um, I am the only downside of it is that I wish I had done it sooner on certain parts um, but yeah I will be definitely doing it again um, in the future most likely uh, in 2020 the end of 2020 because I have two big huge books coming out the first months of 2020 then summer of 2020 Mm -hmm. and um, I'll be doing most likely a self-publish in 2020 the fall so three books in in 2020 yeah because they're going to be the two big tour books right yeah and um, the the adult book comes out in the first few months and then my big YA book comes out that summer they're launching it uh, summer 2020 and so to kind of leave my back end a little empty so I want to make sure that I have something to put there so wow that sounded sexual holy crap (laughs) it really did I wasn't going to say anything homosexual writers (laughs) alright but um, yeah so it's going to be something I will definitely do again because I I feel more in control of I mean granted don't get me wrong I want to make sure everybody's clear Dream Spinner has been awesome they've been great and They've probably given me more allowances than they typically do with other authors because I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to certain things. Um, but I've, I've been just stunned by, by the process of self-publishing, and I, I wish I had thought of trying to do something like that sooner. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, because there is, as you mentioned, that team, it does let you put it out when you want to put it out. Yeah, as opposed to like it, working it, into somebody else's schedule. Right, exactly. And it, I mean, this book was written... I mean, beginning of, I mean, in, in, in indie world, you write a book, chances are it's probably going to be out in the next six months. Yeah. And even Dream Spinner now is pushing it back to a year mm-hmm. uh, between when they get the book to when they actually publish it. But this book was finished beginning of 2017 and it's coming out at the end of 2018, which is more in line of traditional publishing. I'm learning yeah. that now with, with Macmillan and Tor that they've, they're planning me through 2023. So it's, it's, uh, it is, it's being able to set my own schedule, my own pricing, my own, all of that kind of stuff is just been, um, eye-opening and I'm, I'm ready to do it again. Cool. Yeah. And Bones is going to audio. Yes. Bones is going to audio. It's actually done nice. from what I heard, uh, what Greg Tremblay is doing the, the audio for it. He's doing a reading on Saturday from it okay. at the audio, um, panel and that will come out in December. Um, we have I have three audiobooks coming out in the next three months. So yeah, we have Wish from Michael Leslie, A Wish Upon the Stars, Raven Song from Kurt, and then Bones Beneath My Skin, 
on top of the Love Song podcast that we just announced. So. And, and let's talk about that. Um, at the beyond Kurt giving us those two readings, Kurt's been a busy boy and been yes. generating a podcast. He as did. Well. We announced Love Song the podcast. This is a six episode podcast. Uh, all the details are up on my website um, for where you can download it. But it's essentially I released a, a short story following Raven Song called Love Song for Elizabeth. And he came to me wanting to record it. And I said, sure, that sounds fine to me. And then he was like, well, what if we did something more with it? I said, okay. How much work do I have to do? <laughs> he was like, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. I was like, okay, that's cool. Do all you want. I don't care. But then he, he got Derek McLean together. He got Michael Leslie, Greg Tremblay, and myself. And he did uh, each separate interviews so it'll be six episodes total. The first two are the actual love song story, and then the last four episodes are um, the uh, interviews that he did with us, and that launches today for free. So you can download it. If you have a podcast app, you can download it by searching for Love Song or TJ Klune or Kirk Graves, and, um, or you can find it on my website and yeah. download it from there. But, yeah, that's a big, another big project that we just announced today for the first time so yeah and we'll have all that in our show notes yeah. as well so people can link up to all that too what is we've talked about 2020 a little bit what's next for you either towards the end of this year or 2019 for well books? i have i have um buy this please buy that it's please really buy good this. please buy this it comes out <laughs> next friday the 26th and then i'm done for the year and oh. i'll be taking a four-month break before I launched the first of four books in 2019. I have the sequel to How to Be a Normal Person that comes out February 12th, and that is How to Be a Movie Star. Next summer is the last book in the At First Sight series, and it's called Why We Fight, and it's my bi-gender, biracial hero, Corey Corey, that people have been wanting for years, and that finally comes out. Um, next September is uh, Heart Song, the third book in the Green Creek series, and then next December is a book I can't talk about that will come out, and it will be a surprise, and you will learn more about that next year, probably much, much closer to the release date, and I'm not going to even be talking about it as it leading up to the release. It's going to wow. be a, a big surprise for people. So The big TJ Clune secret project. Yeah, it project. is. It's my big secret project. I've been working on it for the last two months, and I'm about done with it, and it'll be launching December, and then that'll be my uh, last big hurrah before I sell out <laughs> go to tour it's so not a sell out <laughs> I know it's going to be fun now. it's the next phase right the next phase it's going to be the next step for me and it's been building to this and I'm so grateful that people have allowed me to get to this moment how do people keep up with everything what's the website uh, tjclunebooks.com I'm on Twitter tjclune Facebook the Clunatic Facebook group everybody should go on that that's where you get to read and hear stuff first yep. um, and uh, on Instagram and all that fun stuff too but um, yeah tjclunebooks.com is the best place to keep up with all that's going on alright TJ thank you so much thank you for, for hanging me. out thank you for having me stay tuned for a little bit more because right after we fade out from here we're going to have Kurt's reading from both Raven Song and from Love Song or Heart Song rather Heart Song Heart yep. Song I keep getting those confused so sorry <laughs> so stay tuned for those and they'll be right after this um, so this is a scene from very, very early in Raven's Song. It's between two of my favorite characters, uh, which are Gordo and Elizabeth. And it is spoiler-free because this actually takes place in a flashback 
uh, to what happens in Wolf Song. So this is Gordo and Elizabeth uh, talking right after Joe has announced that he and Gordo and Carter and Kelly will be leaving Green Creek. She stood in the kitchen of the Bennett house, staring out the window. Her hands were curled against the counter. Her shoulders were tense. And she wore her grief like a shroud. Even though I hadn't wanted anything to do with wolves for years, I still knew the respect she demanded. She was royalty, whether she wanted to be or not. Gordo, Elizabeth said, without turning around. I wondered if she was listening for wolves singing songs I hadn't been able to hear for a long time. How is he? Angry. That's to be expected. Is it? I suppose, she said quietly. But you and I are older. Maybe not wiser, but older. Everything we've been through, all that we've seen, this is just another thing. Ox is a boy. We've sheltered him as much as we could. We, you brought this upon him, I said before I could stop myself. The words were flung like a grenade and they exploded as they landed at her feet. If you stay away, if you hadn't brought him into this, he could still. I'm sorry for what we did to you, she said, and I choked. What your father did, he was, it wasn't fair or right. No child should ever go through what you did. And yet you did nothing to stop it, I said bitterly. You, and Thomas, and Abel, my mother, none of you. You only cared about what I could be to you, not what it would mean for me. What my father did to me meant nothing to you. And then you went and left. You broke the bonds with the pact. Easiest decision I ever made. I can hear when you lie, Gordo. Your magic can't cover your heartbeat. Not always. Not when it matters most. Fucking werewolves. <laughs> then, I was 12 when I was made a witch to the Bennett Pack. My mother was dead. My father was gone. But still, Abel held out his hand to me, and the only reason I said yes was because I didn't know any better. Because I didn't want to be left alone. I was scared, and you didn't do it for Abel. I narrowed my eyes at her. What the hell are you talking about? She finally turned and looked at me. She still had the afghan around her shoulders. At some point, she pulled her blonde hair back into a ponytail, locks of which were loose and hung about her face. Her eyes were blue, then orange, then blue again, flickering dully. Most anyone who looked at her would have thought Elizabeth Bennett weak and frail in that moment but I knew better. She was backed into a corner, the most dangerous place for a predator to be. It wasn't for Abel. Oh, so that was the game she wanted to play. It was my duty. Your father, my father lost control when his tether was taken from him. My father has aligned himself with, we all have a part to play, Elizabeth said. Every single one of us, we made mistakes. 
We were young and foolish, filled with a great and terrible rage at everything that had been taken from us. Abel did what he thought was right back then. So did Thomas. I'm doing what I think is right now. And yet you did nothing to fight your sons, to not let them make the same mistakes we did. You rolled over like a dog in that room. She didn't rise to the bait. Instead, she said, and you didn't? Buck, why? Why what, Gordo? You have to be more specific. Why are you letting them go? Because we were young and foolish once, filled with a great and terrible rage, and that has now passed to them. She sighed. You've been there before. You've been through this. It happened once, and it's happening again. I'm trusting you to help them avoid the mistakes we made. I'm not Pack. No, she said. And that shouldn't have stung like it did. But that's a choice you made. Much like we are here now because of the choices we made. Maybe you're right. Maybe if we hadn't come here, Ox would be... Human? Her eyes flashed again. Thomas? I snorted. He didn't tell me shit. But it's not hard to see. What is it about him? I don't know, she admitted. I don't know that Thomas knew either. Not exactly. But Ox is special. Different. He doesn't see it yet. And it may be a long time before he does. I don't know if it's magic or something more. He's not like us. He's not like you. But he's not human. Not completely. He's more, I think, than all of us. And it took me forever to find even the smallest excerpt for him to read that was not a spoiler. So, um, this scene, setting it up just a little bit, is Robbie remembering what it was like with his mother. A character we have never met today. Have fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs> when we'd been on the run, hunters chasing after us with a frightening persistence, my mother did everything she could to keep things as normal as she could for me. Sometimes we could afford a cheap motel. They were always dingy and smelled awful. But she said we needed to be thankful for the little things. Some nights, she stayed with me, curled around me, whispering quietly in my ear. She would tell me about a place where we could be free, where we could shift and feel the earth beneath our feet without worrying someone would hurt us. She told me there was a place, far, far to the west, where wolves and humans lived together in harmony. They loved each other, she whispered, because that's what Pat was supposed to do. And she told me other stories, little things that made me ache, about how her grandfather had been sweet and loving. He would always give her fruit candies when no one was watching. About the first time she shifted 
and saw the world in shades of wolf about how she had made mistakes, but she couldn't be too angry because those mistakes had brought me to her. She said that in a perfect world, my father would love us. He wouldn't care what we were, and he wouldn't have used her. That when I was born, things would have changed for him. No one can know the minds of men, she said, her voice so bitter that I could taste it. They tell you things and you believe them because you don't know any better. I would reach up and tell her not to cry. Sometimes she even listens to me. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.